Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship here at Marymount Community Church. We're glad you're with us today. And for those of you who are joining us online, good morning and welcome. We're continuing today in our series called Astonished. We're looking at the attributes of God and we're being astonished by his uh, greatness. And today we're going to be talking about his great love. That video... uh, reminds us in honor of Black History Month uh, the impact that our African-American brothers and sisters have had on us and Amanda Gorman who is a fresh voice brings this uh, gift of encouragement and we think of all those people who love us well who are serving us on the front lines and we are grateful for you and uh, we bless you today We also, at Black History Month, want to uh, celebrate black history makers who are connected to our congregation. So today I want to give a shout-out to Lewis Arnold, who is my friend. He's Crystal's hubby. He is uh, a dad to Lewis and Gibran. He's a patriarch of his family and his extended family. He's also one of our elders here. He's part of our teaching team, and uh, he also is the liaison officer between the City of Cincinnati Police and the faith community here in Cincinnati, and he's the president of the Sentinels, which represents our African-American police officers in the Cincinnati Police Department, and his battle and his stand for racial reconciliation and peace and uh, the shalom of God over our city. So, Lewis, uh, we shout out to you, brother. We thank God for you and uh, for all that you're doing. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to invite you, if you are not feeling connected here, I want to invite you to join our membership Zoom class on Saturday, March 6th, from 8.30 to 11.30 in the morning. And uh, you will learn how to get more of God's adventure. You will learn how to engage here with your spiritual gifts. So I want to encourage you to jump into that and get connected and to register. You just have to connect with Steve Sessler by email there on the screen. Uh, Now, as I said, today our attribute is the loving God. And I love that Jamie scheduled that for Valentine's Day. So, uh, hey, happy Valentine's Day to you all. Uh, I am excited this morning about the love of God because this is uh, the linchpin, the anchor piece of uh, all uh, of this series, in a sense, as we think about God's incredible love for us. Now, as we think about Valentine's Day, and this is a bit of an annual thing for us here at Marymount Community Church, uh, we want to shout out to Burr and Terry Robinson, who will be married 57 years tomorrow. All right. No smooching over there. Uh, you, are, uh, you are the poster children for Valentine's Day here at Marymount Church. God bless you guys. And so let's, uh, let's dive into the text this morning. I'm in 1 John uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives, on, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. These are the very words of God. Father, we thank you. For your great love. We thank you for the Apostle John who lays it out crystal clear for us this morning. We lift up, Lord, our love as a church that we would rely on you and understand and know your love today in a powerful, new, fresh way. Lord, we pray your blessing on our marriages in this congregation, Lord, that you would strengthen the bonds of love between husband and wife in this congregation, Lord. And we pray for the bonds of love between each and every brother and sister in Christ here in this church. May we grasp your love today, Lord, in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're in 1 John. This is a treatise on the love of God, the whole letter. This is the beloved disciple. This is the one, arguably the closest to Jesus, probably the youngest one. This is the one who uh, wrote the gospel, the first three letters, and also the book of Revelation. This is uh, a man who has experienced the presence and love of God. And he is desiring that every single believer, every single disciple would totally know and understand and experience the love of God. J.I. Packer says it this way, 
And, and this is for each and every one of us today, guys. I want you to get this this morning in a new way. It says here in Knowing God, page 117, to know God's love is indeed heaven on earth. And the New Testament sets forth this knowledge not as the privilege of a favored few, but as a normal part of ordinary Christian experience, something to which only the spiritually unhealthy or malformed will be strangers. In other words, the love of God is for each and every one. This is the way that we experience God. And he, he wants us, John wants us to get this through the letter of 1 John. He wants us to get this more than an intellectual uh, ascent or an awareness. He wants us to have an experience with the love of God. And he does that with objective truth, where he talks about the crucifixion of the Son of God as the exhibit A of God's love for us. And he talks about the apostolic witness that we have seen Jesus, we have touched Jesus, we have heard Jesus, we know this is true. So that, that's your objective truth. But then he goes in to great detail that we would have it also subjectively, that there would be an experience of God's love. So the big idea of today's message is that we would know the love of God. Now John in his letter uses the word know 29 times. This is a major emphasis for him. But he also has this little tagline, this is how we know. And he uses that little tagline eight times in his letter. This is how we know. So we're going to explore that today and we're going to come to this Christian certainty. This is one of the most unique things about the Christian faith that we can know and experience by objective truth and by subjective truth the very love of God for us. <clears throat> and that's woven through the letter and it's going to be woven through this message this morning. And I want to start with an illustration of this big idea. All right? Know, know the, the snowfall that we've had. All right? I think I've got a picture here. The snowfall that we've had these last, this last week, about 14 inches in my driveway. I got a blister here to prove it. That, th now here's what I want you to grasp. Every, every day you look out, you see this covering of white, right? It reminds me of Isaiah 118. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. That's, that's that blankets the earth. It demonstrates not only his sovereignty and, and how everything come, grinds to a halt, but it also, here's the thing, every single snowflake is different. Every single snowflake that fell on the city of Cincinnati is different in its crystalline structure. Every single snowflake is different because God wants us to understand his love. And he's showing it to us in millions of ways every day. But it begins in the creation. And we see these individually formed snowflakes. So now go back in our series to Psalm 139, where Jamie was telling us that God formed each one of us in our mother's womb. We all have unique retinas. We all have unique DNA. And we all have unique fingerprints. 
let's connect the dots because he's, he's an individual, precise, unlimited God who is able to touch you exactly the way you need to be touched. You may feel today like a bit of a misfit. You may feel today that you're out of sorts with your family. You may feel today that nobody understands you, but God understands you. And he demonstrates that by knitting you together in your mother's womb, by knowing how many hairs are on your head, by knowing how many days you're going to live, by giving you unique fingerprints, and by pouring down snow on us to remind us of how he cleanses our sin and each and every individual snowflake is unique. Now, we're going to have an opportunity to practice the receiving of the love of God this week coming because we're going to get another couple of snowfalls. So what I want you to do at some point this week is go out and let that snow fall on your hand. Look at that flake and watch it melt. And may your heart melt to know that the Creator God loves you individually, precisely, and perfectly. So the big idea is knowing the love of God. I'm going to break it down in three parts this morning. The first part, verses 7 to 11, is that love originates in God. And it does so because he loved us first. Second part of the message is going to be love is completed in us by the Spirit. I'm going to take a break at the end of the second point, and I'm going to let you discuss and share with one another how you know that God loves you. I want you to think about that. How you know that God loves you, and we're going to share. And then we're going to go to the third part of the message. Love must be shared by us. That means we need to go out and love others. So it, it is, begins in God, then it's in us, and then it's from us, or by us, to others. Up, in, out. That's how it works. Got it? All right, let's dive into point number one. Love originates in God. That's verse 7. And he loved us first. That's verse 19. By the way, John is notoriously mixing all his points here. And so he's, he's repeating this, this idea of these three points. He's repeating them almost every other verse. So it's hard to do a, 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 a concrete outline, but this is as good as I'm going to get today. So John is dealing here with false teachers. There's a teacher specifically that scholars believe John is addressing is a guy named Serinthus. And what he was saying is that Jesus was just an ordinary human being. And at his baptism, God came in, and then God was in him until before he died on the cross, he, he left. So he is arguing that the crucifixion is not God, and he's arguing that everything else before the baptism is not God. And John is saying, no, 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 no. You have to understand, it is the Son of God who came in the flesh, who died on the cross for us, right? So it, at the end of the letter, he'll, he'll make this, he'll beat it all the way through the letter. At the end of the letter, he'll say, there's three witnesses. The witness of the water, which is Jesus' baptism. The witness of the blood, which is the cross. And the witness of the Spirit, which is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit after the ascension. And he's saying, you've got to have all three. It's fully man, fully God, came into the earth, 
died for us. And so that's what John's dealing with. And so he's saying we cannot know God. We cannot know God unless we know God's love. And exhibit A of God's love is the atoning sacrifice, is the fact that the king of heaven would come born in a manger as a baby, uh, would live a, a life, learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn how to do everything, and then die for us on the cross, rise from death on the third day out of the grave, and then ascend into heaven and pour out the Holy Spirit. And he's saying you have to have all of that. So that's John's first test. It's one of the ways that you know that God loves you is you have tests that John's going to give us all the way through the letter. He repeats himself several times. But this is John's doctrinal test, that you have the Son of God in the flesh, on the cross, fully man, fully God, 100%. And, and that is the love of God that Jesus demonstrates. That's the doctrinal test. So God loving us, in verse 10, he goes on, matters far more than us loving him. That's super important. I'm going to hit that again. Um, and then our love for others flows from his love for us. That's verse 11. Okay? So the first part is love originates in God. He loved us first. And then let's look at some definitions of love because uh, as we think about our culture, love is thrown around a lot. There's a lot of different definitions. We love pizza. We love Star Wars. Uh, here at Merriam-Webster, it says, uh, love is a strong affection and tenderness for another. And then it's, uh, also, it's an attraction based on sexual desire. That's, that's the cultural definition of love. Wayne Grudem, the theologian we've been tracking with, says God's love means that he eternally gives of himself to others. It's a giving of himself. But if we look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 that we've just covered in this first part, we could define God's love this way, pro providing God's very best for another regardless of the cost. And I want to submit to you that biblical love is exactly that, providing God's very best for another even if it is very costly for you or me. So we know in summary that this is how we know that God loved us. And John in his gospel says this, For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only Son, that whoever so believes in him shall, have, shall not perish but have eternal life. So that is the gospel. That is the love of God. So if you live your life on how well you're loving God you're going to constantly be disappointed in your performance. But if you go by how much God loves you, you're never going to be disappointed. You're never going to be disappointed because his love is unending. C.S. Lewis said, it's far safer to ponder and profitable to ponder God's love for us than it is to ponder our love for God. So we want to turn this around. It's not our performance. It's his performance. That's point number one. And let me just illustrate this with, a, with, a, with an illustration because we constantly want to say, how well are we loving God? Oh, that person really loves God. Well, Harry Truman wrote his wife, Bess, 
every single day that they were not apart. So down in the Presidential Library in Missouri, they found over 1,300 letters written by Harry to Bess. That's pretty remarkable. I don't think I've written anywhere near 1,300 letters to Marianne. I've written her some. But 1,300, that's pretty amazing, right? Well, that's nothing compared to the love of God because the love of God says that I formed you in your mother's womb, but it also says my thoughts for you are more than all of the sand on the seashores. Now, imagine that God is not only loving us and sending his son but he's singing over us. We learned that in Zephaniah chapter 3. But also, his thoughts of us are more than the sand on the seashores. So that's the love of God. So it starts in God. But that's not the end of it, because point number two, it's completed in us. All right, so let's look at that point. It's completed in us by the Spirit. So the second section of today's text is verse 12 to 18. And it says that as we love, as we react and, and walk in God's love, he completes his love in us. That's verse 12. And then in verse 13, this is where one of the eight, this is how we know lines. He says, this is how we know. He gives us of his spirit. So we actually know by the fact that the spirit, when we place our faith in Christ, when we repent of our sin, when we're baptized in water, one of the most important things we do in a baptism is we pray for that person to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, God doesn't move in without you knowing it. Let me say that again. God doesn't move in without you knowing it. So when we are filled with the Spirit, we receive this seal of God's love on us. The testimony of the Holy Spirit. We receive the Spirit, and the Spirit brings with it God's presence. It brings with him God's presence. So, and this is a super important part of our church's vision. If you think about verses... Uh, 13 through 15, it says, this is how we know that we live in him, living, and, living in Jesus, loving in Jesus. It's actually an odd grammatical, you know, a lot of churches have in their mission statement, we live for God, or we love for God, or whatever. But no, no, we're saying it's in because of this verse. We live in him, and he lives in us. He's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anybody acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. We live in Jesus, and we love in Jesus. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And then it comes to the point about the confidence of Judgment Day. The confidence of Judgment Day is that the Spirit has had more and more and more possession of us. The more the Spirit possesses us, the more fruit we have, the more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness 
and self-control. So we, we, we have the Spirit getting more possession of us. Now we have the confidence on Judgment Day, and the only confidence we have is that we're more like Jesus. Because His Spirit has taken possession of us. So now you have, now you have, the, you have the objective test of the apostolic witness of the cross, of the resurrection. But now you have the subjective witness that the Spirit is taking possession of you and that you are becoming more like Jesus. This is, this is observable. This is certainly subjective because we say, well, I'm a little more like Jesus. And, you know, sometimes we think we're like 80% like Jesus. And then we have a rough week and we realize maybe we're only 18.8% like Jesus. But we're hopefully a little bit more like Jesus than we were last year at this time or last week or last month. So that's the confidence you can have on Judgment Day. And John's, this is John's second test. His first test was a doctrinal test. His second test is a moral test. Are we being transformed? Are we being transformed? Is, are we seeing, and is a specific thing, are we seeing more freedom from fear? Because he specifically calls out fear. And if we're living by fear, or we're, we're, we're learning to be living with less fear, then God's possessing us more and more. All right. So it's a process. What's your trajectory? What does it look like? And, uh, you know, John Piper, who's a well-known pastor uh, in Minnesota, he came to his congregation a few years back and said, hey, I'm getting crusty. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm not, I'm taking a break. I want to go and be filled with the love of God. I want to be transformed. I'm seeing bad fruit. People around me are seeing bad fruit. I'm taking a break. I'm taking a break because I want God to have possession of me. Right? So we can do the same thing. We can repent. We can confess. We can go to those near us and we can say, hey. So I want to pause here, though, and I want to do another watch out here. And the watch out is this line in here, God is love. A lot of people, this, is, this happens twice in today's text, God is love. A lot of people take that and will say, well, that's all God is. And you have Christian universalists who will say everybody is going to heaven and everybody's fine and because every, God is love. God would not be able to do anything that's not love by our definition of love, right? <clears throat> so, Packer says, no, 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 no. Here's what he says. It is perverse to quote John's statement, the, the statement, God is love, as some do, as if it called into question the biblical witness to the severity of God's justice. It is not possible to argue that a God who is love cannot also be a God who condemns and punishes the disobedient, for it is precisely of the God who does these very things that John is speaking. So the key insight I want us to balance now, this teaching on the God of love, is that this isn't all he is. It's a very important attribute, 
But like I said a couple of weeks ago, these attributes are all fitting together in one perfect unity. So the key insight I want us to have here this morning is when we grab hold of, when we grasp the pure ferocity of God's love, we can also grasp the goodness of his wrath. Because if God loves everything that is right and good, then it holds that he must also hate everything that is evil. We want a God who will make things right for the evil that we witness all day long in our society. We long for this to be made right. So there is, on the other side of the coin, and that's a bad analogy, of God's love, there is his wrath. He loves what is good and he hates what is bad. So uh, Tozer says it this way. I, I'd like, I'd like to him to clarify this further because he's going to do it better than I could. It says here, The words God is love mean that love is an essential attribute of God. Love is something true of God, but it is not God. It expresses the way God is in his unitary being, as do the words holiness, justice, faithfulness, and truth. Because God is immutable, unchanging, he always acts like himself, and because he is a unity, he never suspends one of his attributes in order to exercise another. So he's 100% all the time, all of his attributes, in perfection. So Tozer continues, From God's other known attributes, we may learn much about his love. We can know, for instance, that because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of all spotless purity. Because he is immense, his love is an incomprehensibly vast, bottomless, shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence and from which the loftiest eloquence retreats confused and abashed. That is the love of God. Now, John circles back to this is how we know in verse 13. So he's used the word know four times in today's text, 29 times in the letter. He's got this little saying, this is how we know, uh, and it comes in John 4.13, but it comes eight times in the letter. And, and here's how we know. We know because we live like Jesus. In chapter 2, it, we know because we stay in Jesus for a lifetime. In chapter 3, we know because we do right and we love others. We know because we lay our life down for the people that God has put in front of us. We know because we have a clean conscience. We know because we know the Holy Spirit. We know because we have the Holy Spirit. And we know because we obey Him. These are the various ways that John gives us this moral test. Do we really walk in God? So now, the most important thing I want us to get today is this. I want us to move the knowledge of God 18 inches southwest from here to here. 
That's been my prayer all week, that it moved from here to here, first in my heart and now in your hearts. Well, here is a verse that describes that specific promise exactly. And it's the Apostle Paul speaking in Romans 5, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God, through the Apostle Paul here, is telling us that he wants us to explode with love in our hearts because he has actually poured it out. Past tense. So we have to receive that, know that, believe that, and then experience that, not only as objective truth of the cross and the resurrection and the apostolic witness, but subjective truth of the presence of the Spirit, of the love of God in our hearts. So I want to break here for a minute, and I want you to discuss amongst yourselves for a minute or two, and then we're going to call on you to share how do you know the love of God? How do you know that God loves you individually, not generally, but loves you personally? And if you're willing, once you reflect on that, I'd like you to be willing to share it with the congregation because the best way that I know this um, is to be able to encourage you in this discussion. And I want to just give you a quick story to prime the pump. I have a friend who is an amazing guy. He's a brainiac. He is so smart. He knows the Bible way better than I do. I've known him for a long time. A couple of years ago, we met at Starbucks just to get caught up. I don't see him often. I see him maybe every three to six months. And every single time in my life before this particular day a couple of years ago, a greeting would be, how you doing? It would be maybe, uh, you know, a side, a side grasp like that, but it would be basically a handshake. And the topic of discussion would be some nerdy thing that he discovered in the Bible. And it would be intellectual, 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 intellectual. Unbeknownst to me, he had become very dissatisfied with his life with God. And he shared how he had gone on a quest and how he had read through the scriptures and he had had hard after God for months to reveal his love for him. And on this particular day, he was flooded with the love of God. So that the fruit of that was, he walks into Starbucks and he gives me a big hug. And I'm just, I'm just like, he gives this big hug. He goes, oh, man, it's so good to see you. I said, dude, what happened? He goes, I know the love of God. And he told me the story of months of seeking God and, 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 and looking at the scriptures and 
praying and walking and seeking after God, but he, he came into a love relationship with Jesus. And it changed everything in his behavior. I mean, this was a guy that was full of love, and he knew the love of God. All right, over to you guys for discussion, and we'll give you a minute or so, and then we will, uh, we will resume and do some sharing. He's got a mic here, and he'll come around the, the uh, room here for those of you who are in person. And if you're online and you want to share, just text it into the text ring, and Robin Leslie will feed it to Jamie. So uh, Mark Abney, already online, says, because I can feel him in my heart, is his response. All right. Um, last year, having the love of God has been an issue for me. 
So um, if I can say this, last year during a study, I, I finally came to the realization that God does love me because he saved me from death when I was a baby. I was born with a disconnected esophagus and had to have 24-7 care for, my um, for the first six months of my life. And um, he saved me. So I, I finally just came to that realization and now have to. You know, I, it's, it's that heart head. You're, you, you keep talking about the heart, he uh, the head heart thing. I know, no, 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 no. But then it's filtering down and it's, it's, it's a walk that I'm on. So. Beautiful. Thank you, Teresa. That's awesome. Lou Arnold, Lou Arnold, who we did the shout out earlier, said, God's love has taught me how to forgive in my heart. Mm. That's good, Lou. God really has, has, has borne my life anew. He has given me the greatest, greatest gift ever. Nothing compares to the love of Christ and the love of God and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, uh, and Wayne, Wayne, who I was talking to here, said the same exact thing, really, is we, I know that God loves us because he cares about the things that we care about. Like, like we think it's a little thing, and he, he cares. He'll, he'll, he respond. I mean, we've seen prayers in our house that are just, you know, almost in my flesh. I think these are the dumbest things to be praying for, and the Lord just answers them one after the other, just like that. So a good father cares about what his children care about. I've shared this example before, but um, uh, another pastor was telling me about somebody in his church whose husband had died. And uh, on the first Valentine's Day after the death of the husband, another person in the church sent this widow a dozen red roses and uh, didn't, didn't understand this, but the florist put a white rose in addition to the dozen in the mix and sent it out. This woman got the dozen of red roses with one white rose. That's precisely what her husband did for her every Valentine's Day. Twelve red ones and one white one. And that's how she knew, the, the, to Paul's point, that God knows the details and can intimately remind us of how well he loves us. Got two more online. John Bean said, I know God by seeing love, let's see, by seeing the love others give to one another, helping each other with love. And then another gentleman, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, Chinwe Obianwu says, When I was at a very low point in my health and felt like I wanted to faint, God uplifted me with a new strength I never experienced before. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I think most recently, um, I've really experienced God's love in the way that, um, as other people have said, the way people serve us. Uh, I lost my dad about a year and a half ago, and immediately after that, we had our closest friends really rally around us, and they stocked our fridge, and 
cut our grass and they took care of our house when we weren't there because they saw a need they could meet to love us when so we could focus on other things in a really hard time good that's practical I feel God's love went because he didn't need us but he wanted us he didn't need to make the world but he wanted to Mm. You've been paying attention to this series. <laughs> well done. David McMillan online. I know he loves me when I feel love for those who are unlovable. When, when, I, when I feel love for those who are unlovable? Yes. <laughs> Praise I, the Lord. Yeah. That's good. Well, that's good, David. That's good. All right, time for one more. Got one over here. And then we'll draw that to a close. Um, I, I know God's love because um, he does care about the, the simple things too and uh, I was putting up some shelves I kept and I was on lath wall I couldn't find the stud and the stud finder didn't, didn't register it so I said I just kind of after about six holes I stopped and went alright God find me a, the stud in this wall and he moved my hand over about six inches from where I was working where I always thought it was, bam, right in the center. And I went, okay, so I put that shelving standard up, went over to the other side, and I said, okay, how about here? Hit it, boom, boom, boom. And I went, thank you, thank you, I thank you. I should have started right there and wouldn't have all these holes in the wall to patch. That's good, that's good. Thank you, Wayne. Well, thanks for sharing, everybody. Um, I, I want to encourage you. This is going to be one of your questions for your small groups this week. So I want to encourage you to uh, dive into that and share. Because another way this all happens is testimony. Testimony from one to another about the work of God in our lives. But you've already, you've already made several examples. But point number three of today's message is that you know, it begins in God, it then comes into us, and then it has to come from us to others. And a number of you have said, you know God's love because someone has shown God's love to you. And so love must be shared by us, and that's really the last three verses of this morning's passage. And we're talking about rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit gives rivers of living water in us, and that, that water needs to go somewhere. And I want to encourage you that if you do not have the rivers of living water, stay in part one and two of this message. Stay in this part one and two. Stay in Romans 5.5. 5. Let God work in your heart. Don't put yourself under pressure to go out because, you know, loving others genuinely requires us to know the love of God. We can, we can take baby steps but if you're, if you're in that place where you need God to show you his love, stay there. Stay there. Seek him with all your heart. But as, as it comes, um, we can also learn, and sometimes God's love is revealed as we take a step of serving. And um, uh, in, in this last part of the text, here's what we see we see that there's yet another test that John gives us. 
he talks about everything starts with God's love, verse 19. Then he goes, you can't love God and hate people, right? Verse 20. So his social test is this. Am I loving others well? Am, am I flowing out to others? Is God's love for me flowing into other people's lives? My illustration here is two bodies of water in Israel. In this picture here on the top, you see the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by green and life. It has dozens of species of freshwater fish in it. It is fed by springs, but it is also fed by the Jordan River that comes into the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee at the bottom is released, and that flows down into the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is alive because it is actually flowing. It's flowing because the Jordan is coming in and the Jordan is going out. So there's, there's, there's this concept of flow, of having flow in your life, of constantly going out with the love of God. Contrast that with the Dead Sea, which receives water from the Jordan, but doesn't have an outlet. It doesn't go anywhere. So as a result of that, it's highly saline. It's very salty. It's uh, very lifeless. The shores of it look like the moon. And there's no living thing inside that, that water. It's called the Dead Sea because it literally is dead. And so the picture I want us to see is I want us to have a picture of a life that flows where the love of God is coming in and the love of God is going out. There's a, there's a rhythm, there's a flow to that. I want to shout out to a couple of people in our congregation that just over the past several weeks have been on my heart uh, of, of lives with flow. I want to shout out to Scott Hobart and his wife Heather. Scott is very engaged in our children's ministry. He's upstairs with the kids right now. He's also very engaged in our youth ministry uh, and has been a, an incredible blessing to all of our staff and our elders, uh, but also uh, his wife Heather, who uh, leads the family shop, and she leads that with like amazing personal care and attention for every single person who comes to the family shop, whether it's uh, a member of my family, like yesterday, or a missionary, or a neighbor, or someone who comes in looking for help. And uh, that, that is such a beautiful picture of just an everyday thing that goes on here. And another person that I just want to give a shout out to is Teresa Earhart, who shared earlier. And I just think of Teresa as uh, loving on our women, as the head of our women's ministry, organizing the women's retreat, serving out here at the Connect Desk, and also uh, the, really Heather's right-hand person at the family shop. And you were there the other day. Um, but I thank God that you are pouring out as you love others, uh, and it is it's making a difference. To a lot of people in our congregation. So 
Teresa and Scott and Heather, we thank you. We thank you. So, uh, this is the quality of love. And I want to go to 1 Corinthians 13. Um, and I just want us to remind ourselves of these qualities. Let's read it together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love is fierce, it's practical, it's severe, it's victorious, it's gritty, it's stubborn. It's stubborn. And um, so I'm going to lead us into the time of prayer. I'm going to pray for the love of God to be poured out into our hearts now. And the worship team is going to come up and we're going to spend some time in worship. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the life and witness of the Apostle John. We thank you, Jesus, that you came. You came to die in our place so that we could have eternal life simply by faith. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you are patient. Jesus, you are kind. Jesus, you do not envy. Jesus, you do not boast. Jesus, you are not proud. Jesus, you do not dishonor others. Jesus, you are not self-seeking. Jesus, you are not easily angered. Jesus, you keep no record of wrongs. Your blood covers everything. Jesus, you do not delight in evil, but you rejoice in the truth. Jesus, you always protect. You always trust. You always hope. You always persevere. Jesus never fails. Father, we thank you that your love is priceless. We thank you that your love is great. We thank you, Lord, that your love is better than life itself. We thank you, Lord, that your love is unfailing. We thank you that your love is higher than the heavens. And we thank you, Lord, that your love, whether we notice it or not, actually fills the earth. Jesus, we thank you for opening a way for us. And now, Lord, by faith, we ask that you pour your love afresh into our hearts that you fill the heart of every person here this morning, every person online, every person listening to this message, that you would come by the power of your Spirit to fill our hearts with your love so that we can testify to you and love others. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. And the church agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Receive that, church. Receive that. And let's stand and, and worship. Uh, and let's raise a hallelujah to the love of God. Pray with me, will you? Father, there is no one like you.
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your great love. We thank you, Lord, for opening our hearts to your great love this morning. We continue to open our hearts, Lord, and our minds to the fullness of your great love for us, that we may get it in us and we may share it with others. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, so um, we, Lord willing, will have worship this week on Wednesday night here in this room from 7 to 8, a worship night. But if there's snow, uh, which there may be, then we'll reschedule. But with the snow, I want you to go out there and I want you to see these billions of unique snowflakes melting on your hands and receive that as a deepening understanding of God's love for us, which is what we count on and what we, what we stand for as followers of Christ. One last thing before the benediction is to say hello to Judy and Ian Rugel in Ecuador. Wito and Wita, we understand it's your 65th wedding anniversary today. So praise the Lord. And let's do our benediction today uh, in the love of God. This is from Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, let's speak this over each other. We got that slide? Uh, it's okay, they're shifting out. <clears throat> this is uh, Paul's classic text on uh, knowing the love of God. So, all right. Well, I've got it here if we don't have it there. Yeah, right. There we go. All right. So let's say this over, let's pray this over each other. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.